Will you pray with me? Loving God, your word is a lamp to our feet. Be with us now as we hear your word that we may be filled with joy at its understanding. In your name I pray. Amen. Our first scripture today comes from the Gospel of Luke, beginning in the 18th chapter. Listen to the word of God. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor had any respect for people. In that city, there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, grant me justice against my opponent. For a while, he refused. But later he said to himself, though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Our second reading today comes from the second letter to Timothy, beginning in the third chapter. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message, be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable, convince, rebuke, and encourage, and with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myth. As for you, always be sober, Endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, carry out your ministry fully. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts become acceptable to you. Amen. I've recently learned about a new trend, making fourth quarter resolutions. October marks the start of the fourth quarter of the calendar year. And some people are advocating that we can use this time to, as a final three-month period to set new resolutions and build new habits. The thinking goes that while January New Year's resolutions are more traditional, they're also very quickly abandoned. So October, November, and December is a shorter time frame, perfect to build a resolution and successfully start a new habit. Indeed, science shows that the average time needed to build a new habit is actually about 66 days, so two months is just the right window. And this is all good news for us, because today's scripture is all about building faithful habits. When we pick up the story in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is telling his followers a parable, a story to illustrate a broader point. He gives away this point at the very beginning. We need to pray always and not lose heart. Then he gets into the story. There was a widow hoping for justice from a faithless judge. 
The judge didn't respect God or people, but the widow is undaunted. She persists and doesn't give up in the face of no progress and a seemingly hopeless situation. And eventually, she wears the judge down. He grants her justice. A word about that word justice in this context. It can read to our ears today as very legalistic, perhaps winning a settlement or a verdict against another. I know I, th I think about the settlement where people have won money for spilling their own hot coffee on themselves. That's not the meaning here. Within the biblical context, justice has a much bigger meaning. Justice is comprehensive and transforming. Justice means an upending of the status quo and deliverance for the weak and needy in society. Author and biblical scholar N.T. Wright describes justice in this way. God's justice is a saving, healing, restorative justice because the God to whom justice belongs is the creator God who is yet to complete his original plan for creation and whose justice is designed not simply to restore balance to a world out of kilter, but to bring to glorious completion and fruition the creation, teeming with life and possibility that he made in the first place. So justice isn't about returning to balance or equality that existed originally. It's actually a process by which God brings God's creation to an even better state than it was in in the first place. At the end of this parable, we hear Jesus expand the view of it to everyone, not just the widow, making the lesson that God will grant justice to those who cry out to God. It's this kind of world-altering transformation that's being promised here that's promised as God's justice. So how does justice like this come about? According to our scripture, prayer. One of the main commentaries for today's scripture explains that in Luke's view, prayer is the essential medium to strengthen faith and undo injustices and evil acts in the world. And it's not a one-time prayer. We hear Jesus say it in the very beginning of the scripture. We need to pray always. Elsewhere in the Bible, we read about the need to pray without ceasing. Prayer is not something that only belongs in a sanctuary and only on a Sunday morning. It's a regular habit. But what does the habit of prayer look like for us, for you? Like any good habit, there will be some variations according to each person. And luckily for us, our scripture and our Christian tradition give us plenty of examples. I want to name a couple. Prayer is regular. It can be short, it can be long, it can be spoken aloud, it can be held in our hearts. Sometimes prayer comes in the form of movement, when we walk outside on a beautiful cool morning and raise our faces to the sun, delighting in God's creation. Prayer can be silent and vulnerable in times when we allow, as scripture says, the spirit to intercede within us with sighs too deep for words. Sometimes prayer is formal, following the words of a liturgy or book, and sometimes prayer can be spontaneous, a few murmured words in between meetings on a tough day at work, or maybe in a waiting room at a hospital. Where in your life does your prayer habit appear? Can you take the next seven days to think about what this habit of prayer looks like for you? One of my favorite quotes about prayer is attributed to a number of people, but I first heard it as an insight from the Dutch philosopher Soren Kierkegaard. He writes that prayer does not change God, it changes he who prays. I have personally found this to be the case. 
Perhaps I'll start in prayer talking to God about an issue, hoping God will resolve it, probably by changing that other person. But over time, the more moments I spend in prayer, sometimes listening, sometimes talking, the more I am able to persevere through tough issues. Prayer doesn't change God. It changes she who prays. Something else we know about prayer. It means to intentionally place ourselves in the presence of God. So if we're trying to live prayerfully, making prayer a habit and a daily activity, it means that we are making it a habit to be in the presence of the living God and honoring him by acting in a manner that honors that presence. Would you behave differently if you knew God was standing next to you? We get some specific guidance from our second scripture passage today about what living like that looks like. We heard from the author of 2 Timothy. In the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message, be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable, convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience and teaching. In just these two verses, we hear the key points. In the presence of Jesus, in light of his forthcoming justice, we are to live proclaiming the good news, being persistent and being patient. This is what the widow did so successfully in the parable in Luke. She believed in the possibility of justice. She was persistent, even when the time seemed unfavorable, when the judge seemed unmovable. She was patient. I see this persistent and prayerful way of living here, in this community at St. Andrews. Just as we'll gather together next week for our monthly prayer discernment meeting with the community at Emsworth, it has become clear to me in these last two months with you that baked into the day-to-day -day life of this community is a form of faithful, persistent, prayerful living. Even when the way forward has not seemed clear, when the powers that be have seemed to be against the success of a little church, you have continued to be faithful and pray always. And now we are able to see the beginning of the transformation God is bringing about in this place. Prayer didn't change God, but it's changing those of us who are praying. There's one more aspect of prayer I want to name, and this goes hand in hand with prayer as a means for justice. Prayer is often a form of lament. Notice that in the scripture for today, Jesus himself describes prayer as a form of crying out to God. Prayer is not always happy. Indeed, particularly when we consider issues of injustice in our world, we will be moved to cry out and lament to God. Thankfully, we are in good company when we do this. In the book of Psalms, which is the prayer book of the Bible and the prayer book for Jews and Christians around the world, we actually find more psalms of lament than any other type. Jesus himself prays a psalm of lament at the moment of his death, crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is faithful to cry out why to God. Let me say that again. It is still faithful prayer when we cry out to God asking why. For me, this prayer of why God, why is most often on my lips when it seems like my prayers haven't worked when I read about preventable suffering around the world or closer to home, or even this week, seeing how Alzheimer's disease is separating my grandparents after 65 years together, my prayers are prayers of lament. But it is precisely in these moments when today's scripture is so powerful. 
As Jesus frames it in the very first line, we are being told this story so that we will remember to pray always and to not lose heart. The initial audience of Luke would have been an early Christian community facing some dark times ahead. This parable is a parable for them and for us for the dark days when we cry out to God. And so perhaps the most important lesson from the parable of the widow is actually this. While we are working to build our own personal habits of prayer and justice, there is already one established constant, and it is stronger than any human habit. And that is the presence of God and God's commitment to bring justice to God's people. While we are striving to reach God and striving to bring about justice, God has already committed to meet us there. God's intention for all of creation is this restorative, life-transforming justice. Even in the midst of our lament, even in those times when we are crying out to God, God is steadfast in love, and our ultimate destination remains the same. When it feels that our prayers haven't been heard, when justice is too long in coming, we can fall back on the enduring love of God and confidently pray the prayer that Jesus himself taught us, words that we're going to say together later this morning. Your kingdom come, your will be done. For the ability to trust in that enduring promise, thanks be to God. Amen.